0: On the penultimate edition of the Tokitaka World Cup Series, we review the semi final games, we preview the final and the third place playoff, and there's also a bit of debate about Gareth Southgate and his England future. This is the Tokitaka Podcast. Welcome back to the Togitaka podcast listeners. And we are reconvening after the semifinals. And if you have heard our last episode, we had quite a big discussion about the head and the heart. The head said Argentina and France would win. And the heart said we hoped for a Morocco victory. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your allegiances, it's going to be Argentina versus France in the final. Going for a third world cup each while croatia and morocco will face off each other uh, in the third place playoff that one game that no one probably intends on playing when they start their careers right anyway so to discuss all of this we have on the panel today rk ashwin and radhaji i'll go first to ashwin ashwin how has it been how was the semi-final experience for you and what's your talkie point?
1: Uh, yeah, Swag, I think this World Cup just keeps on giving, right, like it is, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, the, the both the semi-finals were so good to watch, I was hooked on to the television, uh, from Messi rolling back the years to Mbappe showing his class, I think, like, it was just, it was just, it was just a treat to the eyes. My talky moment of the week is actually something, um, something off the field, and it was just in the in the in the run up to the to the semi finals. After Morocco had beaten uh, Portugal, there's this video of this um, uh, this girl who had uh, <clears throat> who was interviewed after the game, and she she basically says uh, Ronaldo is probably crying in his car. Poor Ronaldo. And all those people who were Ronaldo fans, but also like kind of neutrals, started started hearing. Uh, sorry, started hear, uh, hating Morocco right away. So she became like public enemy number one. Uh, so it was it was just a hilarious moment for me personally because I I feel like social media is so twisted that you know people can take or went out against a harmless girl. So it was it was just it was just funny. But I hope like. Uh, you know people forgive that girl Ronaldo fans forgive that girl and then uh, we move on yeah let's hope so I
0: mean even if Ronaldo was crying in his car I'm pretty sure he was not poor considering the value of that car ah, anyway bad jokes aside um, RK how was it for you happy about the final that we've got and uh, what was your talking point
2: yeah very happy about this final despite all the upsets uh, we have two of the, you know, pre-tournament favorites that have entered the final and I guess I am uh, very, very excited about that final. Uh, I And I think most people are. It's, it's a, you know, old lion versus new uh, a champion kind of a battle that's going to happen. Uh, for me, uh, very, very memorable uh, two matches, but I will, uh, of course, there was the messy solo run and dribble, but I will, you know, go for... Uh, the Morocco performance. So one of the moments from the Morocco performance is my talking moment where El Yameek on a corner is uh, like suddenly gets the ball at a favorable height and goes for the bicycle kick. It clips the post and a Loris save as well. I think if if that had gone in, Morocco would have been very much, uh, you know, in the game and pushed France all the way. So, you know, very uh, strong, very courageous performance as uh, you know, by Morocco as always. And uh, my heart went out to them the way they played. So that's my moment of the week.
0: Yeah, one of those what-if moments. You wonder what would have uh, happened uh, if that had gone in. Maybe, I mean, they put France under quite a lot of pressure. It wasn't just one-way traffic. So maybe something else could have happened. But not to be. Finally, Radhaji, last but not least, how's it been for you? happy you said Argentina versus France you were confused between who which of these two was going to be your favorite I think you finally settled on France so
3: yeah I uh, I think France were are definitely the better team the more complete team which is what I was saying last time out and I I think that still stands Uh, they showed uh, that they can hit you from different ways Uh, but I mean just disappointed to see the back of May uh, to see the back of Morocco not so much about Croatia Croatia I think happy to see the back of them to be really honest but Morocco especially after the performance against France I didn't think they were capable um, sad to see them go drinking uh, a little bit of Rose instead of uh, whiskey in the, on on their behalf today um, my talkie moment actually comes from that game Uh although messi stole the show in the other game for me the moment of the weekend was kilian mbappe blasting past uh, two guys in the morocco um, in the morocco team like he really made sofiane look slow as he crossed him and went into another stratosphere and then suddenly he slowed it all down and sofiane caught up with him and made probably the greatest tackle of the of the week uh, incredible moment. I think he just it, it embodied uh, so much about Morocco's spirit that they are far behind everybody else but uh, through their heart and grit they actually caught up. They, they were able to compete at the same level as everyone else. A really a great moment in the game and I think one of the real stars of the tournament.
0: Yeah, one of the uh those moments which uh, you remember long after the world cup is finished and as you said quite a lot of moroccan players will end up uh, will leave this tournament with their reputations greatly enhanced and we might see quite a lot of movements from for them in the winter transfer window as well maybe let's uh, wait and watch on that one but uh, to get started with let's start off with uh, Argentina and Croatia, I mean, for me, my talking point, if you ask me, was uh, Modric leaving the world stage. I mean, I know that there's still the third, fourth place playoff to come, but uh, this was the one that mattered. And the great, one of truly one of the modern greats leaving the world stage substituted uh, in the game. So what are our thoughts on this one? messy magic, but it was a pretty dar game, right? Not as fun as the other semi-final, but uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, we have to start off with that piece of magic uh, from Messi. I don't think there's a better place to start this match off with. Uh, in the previous episode, Radha was talking about you know people falling in love with the game, uh, especially those who have uh, maybe not too engrossed, uh, as engrossed in it as we are on a week-by-week basis. And I think uh, The amount of messages that that goal has produced uh, that dribble has produced on, you know, various social media groups and uh, you know, everywhere around us and the amount of love that it has generated for football and for Messi, like you have to at some level, you know, congratulate people like Messi that they are able to, you know, make people enjoy their lives for at least, you know, that 5-10 seconds that they are watching. Uh, It was such a memorable piece of magic that he showed, uh, you know, going on the outside of a guy who is like 10-15 years younger than him and one of the best center backs in this tournament and probably in the world right now. Uh, Going back and forth getting into the box from a very tight angle and that you know, brilliant piece of movement from Alvarez to be in the right place to tuck that ball in. I mean, it was everything that you can ask for and uh, you know all these kind of moments in this tournament. It's it has very much, you know, made it a throwback tournament, you know, for Messi fans and it's really been emotional watching him, and it it feels a bit like you know Tendulkar in 2011 World Cup, which is why I it would really feel a bit sad if you know Argentina are not able to win that final for me.
3: Yeah, I'm. I get I get where I think half the world, maybe more than half the world, is leading in a similar direction uh, to RK. I'm not personally as invested. Uh, for me, he's the goat no matter what. Um, I I don't think. Uh, I don't think this game has any bearing on that um but I mean th- that being said it's it's just hair raising it's thrilling the number of times this world cup you've just really got up off your seat and you know felt like you were teenagers looking at something that's happening uh, you're experiencing something great for the first time I don't think anything else in the world makes makes you feel this way so consistently I mean you never get tired of football I guess um, but the whole the Brazil game against um, South Korea, um, the, the moment that Wout Weghorst threw up, the messy turn on uh, Guardiola, oh my God, are these, these are just seriously seared in the back of my mind. I'll never ever forget this World Cup. I was listening to some of the other podcasts, the usual ones on the Athletic and a lot of them were actually saying that they don't want to do another winter World Cup or uh, they didn't feel like the quality of this World Cup was uh, up to scratch. I cannot disagree more with that. This is easily my favorite World Cup. One in terms of moments, upsets, all of that as well. But the sheer playing quality, I think the likes of Spain and Germany were actually playing outstanding football. You also have the likes of Morocco who not just... Uh, not, not the not the Greece kind of uh, surprising and upsetting everybody. Defending well, but also attacking really efficiently and with flair. Uh, absolutely love this World Cup, and I can't I can't have anybody saying that this is a this has been a poor World Cup in terms of quality or or a lesser than World Cup in terms of quality. I'll remember this one forever. I think this is the greatest World Cup I've ever watched.
1: Yeah, I think. Um... Yeah, 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 I think uh, like I, I I agree with both R K and rather, uh R K more so on the Messi front. Um, before this World Cup, uh, we were talking about Messi or Ronaldo's last dance. I think we are living through at least Messi's last dance, uh, especially that that assist uh, which led to the goal. He he rolled back the years like anything. Like uh, to to do that to one of the uh, greater greatest defenders or the be- the best defender rather of this particular world cup is is just is just outstanding and mind-blowing um i was reading somewhere that guardiol is uh, uh his uh market value has shot up to like 120 million or 130 million which just goes to show you know he is one of the better defenders out there and he made him look like harry Maguire or something right so um it was just it was just incredible to watch and um over the past 3 4 years or 2 years rather when messi left barcelona some of his godlike status has kind of waned but you know this world cup has just you know just reminded us of how good a player he is and how good a player he can be and almost change the game um uh, you know uh, when he decides to decides to change it so it's it's just been incredible to watch messi
0: yeah, I think uh, Ashwin might be in the Messi camp now probably a bit for retribution of what I, the other contender.
1: It's, of... it's It's okay to like both Messi and Ronaldo, alright? You don't need to be on Team Messi or Team Ronaldo. It's like Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal. You can like both.
0: You you, uh, you forgot to mention Djokovic. Anyway,
3: but you can't. Uh, yeah, you can. You can. You can't like Djokovic. If, if you like Rafa and Roger, you can't like Djokovic. So I I see where I see why the world decides to divide itself into parts.
0: Yeah, and you just said uh, Guardiola's value has increased massively. I think after that. Uh, turn from Messi I think he might have lost some 20 million of that valuation immediately his agent must have been on the phone please lock in the price now itself anyway uh, there's, some, RK, uh,
3: yeah. there's some I think I think Guardiola is the equivalent of cryptocurrency uh, uh, the the valuation sky high and then shot down but but to be fair he was really good all through the World Cup you sometimes you have to take a step back I you know I looked at I looked at that uh, video a few times trying to find out hey did he do something wrong Sometimes you just need to take a step back and say, okay, this is the greatest player that you've ever seen. And he just turned somebody uh, inside out. He's done it to Jerome Boateng in his peak as well. I mean, sometimes you just need to take a step back and say, okay, enough.
2: Look, you might blame me for Schadenfreude again, but I think Guardiola is being talked about too much. If Lukaku had converted even two of his golden four chances, I think (laughs) his valuation wouldn't be so high before that Messi move.
3: I totally, I agree with you, RK. I, I don't buy so much of the hype. I do agree that he's been great. He's been good, but I don't think he's like the best defender in the world or best young defender in the world or the World Cup or anything of that sort. I think he's been good. I think they've both conceded a lot of mistakes in, in this World Cup. Um, his one-on-one play has been really good, but I think positionally there have been questions as we saw from Lovren as well in the first goal that they conceded.
0: Yeah. Arkeb, any thoughts about uh, the tactics of the game? Do you think that uh, uh, anything interesting came out of the way Argentina and Croatia were set up?
2: Yeah, so Argentina uh, really interested uh, in uh, like with their, you know, choice of formation in the previous game uh, against Netherlands where they kind of mirrored Netherlands formation. And in this game also what they tried to do was they didn't mirror Croatia. They tried to outwit Croatia in the middle of the pitch, so they went in with a midfield diamond, hoping that it would allow them to have numerical superiority and they would be able to compete with that metronomic position better. Right, But uh, to be fair, well, the idea seemed very strong on paper and they have good midfielders, but it didn't work out in the first 30 minutes. Uh, Argentina were forced to kind of concede territory and Croatia were dominating the ball to an even greater extent than they did against Brazil. And... Uh, while not being able to create chances. However, I think, uh, you know, that was the main tactical, uh, I think, uh, 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 like talking point in the game, which kind of changed on its head, you know, once that first goal happened. And, uh, you know, we we haven't talked about Alvarez at all. I think probably not much, uh, but, you know, he's, he's ended up on four goals now and it's like five goals Mbappe, five goals Messi, four goals Giroud and Alvarez, so it's going to be a proper shootout. So, what do you guys, you know, think of how Alvarez has contributed here?
3: I think really, really amazing uh, step up to the highest level, I would say. Um, he comes really high, highly rated, of course, but um, what he's doing in this team is... Okay, one, you take the output that Lautaro Martinez has been struggling on scoring goals and stuff like that. And clearly, Alvarez um, has his scoring boots on. But I think we can all agree that as great as Messi is, he's not really working for the team, right? So he's not doing the... He's not playing that 11th position in the team uh, while off the ball as much as any other team would want. I think that's where Alvarez has really scored points and that midfield that they have. uh, They're all, I think, collectively doing the work of one extra person. I think we said the same thing about Kante in the previous World Cup where he was almost doing the work of three people. Um, So I think that has definitely played a part in in the balance that we are seeing in Argentina. They do look a lot better than they did, say... I thought the best that they played was the first game against Saudi Arabia. Uh, Somehow they lost that. But after that, they've actually not been very convincing. And I think that, that level of play has improved lately. I think they're able to, uh, one, put pressure on the opposition and win the ball back. But also, uh, even if they um, try to build up, they are having uh, people run, they have they are having runners all around the place. So, that way, it's it's looking good for Argentina and it's just a matter of whether they can really scale it up and take it to a, take it to the best team of the World Cup, probably, that's France.
1: Yeah, just one thing I wanted to add to that is, um, you know, um, Messi and Martinez wasn't working for them at all, so they made that tweak. And uh, Alvarez complements Messi really well. He does all the donkey work. He's not just he's not just a striker for you know. He's also like doing some of the defensive work when Messi is unable to kind of. I I don't want to use the word. I don't want to say track back, but more like when he. Is not able to get to the ball. That's when Alvarez does that, and the two midfielders, uh, DePaul and McAllister, who, by the way, I I realize is Irish. Uh, anyways, uh, he they, they they do a lot of work off the off the off the ball uh, as well, and um, I think, uh, you know, uh, they almost almost fill the void that Messi kind of leaves behind it you can feel that the entire team is kind of centered around you getting the best out of messi and i think that's what they did in in this uh in in this uh in this game as well
3: yeah i also like the the fact that they played the midfield that they played uh in this match it was it made no um, attempts to really you know play wide in like a traditional formation that uh, that one would have expected them to have played I think they went pretty heavy in the midfield, knowing uh, full well that that's where the game was won against Brazil by Croatia. I think they had the personnel to, one, take them man for man, but also to uh, find the forward runners fast, which is, I think, both all the goals that if you look at it, except the Messi one, well, actually, even the Messi one was of a really fast break. So, um, they had the people in midfield who g- recovered the ball, but it was immediately looking forward to play that long pass in. They... The... I think the issue that Brazil uh, got sucked into was they brought, they got pulled down into Croatia's a game, which is like play it around slowly in front of Croatia. And Argentina didn't get sucked into that. Yeah, they, they had an uncomfortable uh, start of the game, but immediately after they they got a one one look at a uh, the forward run being made, they immediately played the long pass in behind and Lovren... Shouldn't have dropped off. He should have uh, maintained his line. He should have stepped up, but that opened up the game. And after that, Argentina, I think, had a very clear thing. Okay, that this is the tactic that's going to work against uh, Croatia. The second luck was go- was the second goal was luck, but the approach was very clear. They were being very direct and through the center. And maybe that's something that France would like to do as well. It's going to be strange because their best players are down on the wings.
2: Yeah, I guess uh, you guys. You know, I think that was a very clear illustration of what Argentina tried to do, which Brazil couldn't, uh, you know, putting in those balls in behind. And that's where Alvarez also compliments, in addition to his off-the-ball, he also compliments Messi on the ball where he tries to, you know, either stretch it down the wings or, you know, provide width as well as make the runs in behind. So, And, you know, you have guys like Enzo Fernandez who's who can seem a bit, you know, a normal in position, but... In his line-breaking passes and the shot that he takes outside the box, uh, he's, he's very he's very spectacular, right? But talking of midfielders, I think uh, just a word on Croatia midfield as well, right? Uh, Kovacic, I thought, had the game. I think he was the best player on both sides in that first half or at least in the first 30 minutes. He was constantly, you know, his ball carrying was really spectacular. And uh, Brozovic as well. So, when Brozovic got substituted at half-time, I still don't know if that, that was an injury or was it a tactical change. But... You know, Croatia really lost control after that, I thought. And Argentina, when you talk of control, right, they don't really look at control from a ball position perspective, but it's not really a, you know, very boring of the position as well. It's more of, you know, they control territory and chances rather than, uh, you know, trying to control position all the time. So I think it's, uh, Argentina for me, look convincing and look solid in terms of, you know, what it takes to win a World Cup Well, they're not exciting.
0: Yeah. And they will be up against a France team, which is spearheaded by Mbappe and Giroud. So we've got uh, five goals for Messi and five for Mbappe. And just behind them are Alvarez and Giroud at four. So all the forwards, the the firing forwards coming up against each other for uh, the golden boot as well. So France broke African hearts Arab hearts and neutral hearts and and got rid of uh, Morocco in the semifinal it was a much more interesting affair as com- f- personally for me as compared to the first semifinal I mean uh, just another of those what if moments what if size was completely fit what if Morocco had more uh, players ready and at a hundred percent but that's life right I mean uh, you you can't prepare for things like these and that's that's why you have a 26 member squad. So, what are our thoughts on this one? Uh, France, superior, but Morocco gave a good account of themselves.
3: Just before we move into the game, the 26-member squad might prove to be critical in the next match. The 26th man is getting choppered in uh, for France, potentially is what we're hearing. Uh, it's going to be one of those, uh, you know, those James bond desk helicopter onto the pitch kind of moments. Um, that's something to look forward to in the next game, but yeah, before that, let's
1: let's cover what happened in the like semi. like one like Mata for uh, Manchester United. You
2: mean?
0: Yeah, imagine uh, Benzema just dropping from the sky at uh, minute <laughs> sixty or minute seventy, and straight away just doing a bicycle kick while still in the air.
2: You know, uh, you you have these uh, introductions that have happened at Old Trafford, right? So United fans can connect, but. Just imagine, I would say that helicopter lands in right at halftime when there's, you know, big music and all going on and Benzema comes out of that in proper kits.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, yeah, going back to the semi-final, uh, RK, from your tactics corner, uh, what do you think um, was this, was the setup change that Morocco uh, did for the semi-final, did that cause uh, quite a lot of discomfort to them? Should they have stuck to the original plan?
2: You know, this is a matter of debate given that the goal happened so early, right? And a lot of, I, I read a lot of opinions saying that that formation cost them the match. For me, I was really impressed with the fact that they decided to go in with that change. Having three at the back and dedicating, you know, people like Hakimi and mazraoui to be backs was something which was very convincing for me, at least on paper. And it should have worked out, I think. The reason that they lost the first goal was more because the centre-back kind of charged out and lost space to Griezmann. The rebound and everything that happened, I think Morocco defended their box very well but the rebound was just unkind for them. So, I was definitely in favour of, you know, uh, trying to kind of force Mbappe out of the game. We saw England do it in a a slightly different way which also kind of de facto was a wing-back system only where Saka was defending like a wing-back and Walker was defending as a centre-back. I thought... Morocco would go for that for that approach so not really for me but i think all those injuries and the goal forced them to come back into their original shape which when you're trailing a goal behind obviously works better and boy did morocco really impress us the way that they you know attacked and like uh, progressed the ball with that shape very very impressive amrabat and of course onahi uh, i i read a comment saying that this is engolo Kante, but 10 years younger he was all over the pitch and showed... Real, it's not just engine that these guys have. They have real skill, real talent. Whether we talk of Onahi, Amrabad, ZH or that magician Bofal. I mean, there's a lot of talent
1: in that team. Yeah, so um, I think one thing I was
3: looking forward to actually in the game was France having a few attacks... Um, Morocco breaking and, you know, taking their uh, wingers one-on-one versus uh, France's fullbacks actually saw very little of that uh, because I thought that Morocco had only one style of play, one way of playing uh, effectively. But this game actually showed me that they are actually adaptable. And uh, what we've seen so far in the tournament is that um, they've been holding a really uh, compact low block and breaking fast and getting... I think 2 3 or 4 of their really skillful players in in close uh, close proximity to each other and then relying on their skill and their decision making to actually make good moves which has done really well. It reminded me a little bit of the Chicago Bulls triangle offense where uh, you put a structure in mind but at the end of the day you let the players on the on the field kind of or on the court take the decisions and bring the flair out that that makes a good attacking situation. Morocco did remind me of that moments kind of team. But this time, they pretty much dominated the game. So, I mean, 2-0 is a really harsh uh, scoreline. I think they absolutely, from the first moment after the goal, early goal, by the way, that that actually, that goal was an interesting, uh, all the stuff that they did, showed how much they fear Mbappe in that goal. They had, I think, five guys in front of Mbappe and nobody in the back post where the goal came from. But ever since then, they, they dominated the game until Mbappe brought out some magic again later on. So, uh, i I'm very impressed with their overall play. Their individual players, I think, have stolen the show in this in this World Cup. Hakim Ziyech, I don't know what Abu is smoking there at Chelsea, but uh, he's clearly a world-class player. But uh, uh, Sofian is one of my favorite players of the World Cup. And I was shocked to see that he's like a 25-year-old playing in a top league already in Fiorentina. So I've had no idea who he was before this uh, before this World Cup. His partner, Una, he also has really stepped up. Uh, uh, coming to your question, Swag, though, I think they made a big mistake playing Roman Saiz. Um, they corrected that eventually out of force because Roman Saiz should have never been playing football. I think he's torn some muscle or, or done something of that sort. He should never have been on the pitch. Uh, He almost paid for it. I think Giroud had a couple of great chances before, before Morocco got into the game. But the moment they changed the formation back to a back four, Morocco again started playing well. So, uh, probably a mistake from the coach, maybe a little emotional uh, decision there. Uh, But yeah, nothing negative to say about this team. I'm so happy to have witnessed them this tournament, especially the moments on the pitch with their mothers and things like that. Apart from the football, those are the moments that I'll definitely remember uh, all, all all through the tournament. That's one of my favorite moments.
1: Yeah, quick point on the low block, right? Because we are so used to watching teams like Burnley and Stoke City and we feel that, you know, low block teams, they they basically hope for some magic to happen. They will defend their life out of the game and then maybe they'll get a header or, you know, a, some goal from a set piece. But the, the it was so uh, refreshing to watch, you know, how flexible Morocco was and uh, I'm and let's not forget, even Japan, for that matter, like, you know, that game against uh, against Spain, they were defending, but then they have this sudden burst of energy and then they just let loose and, like, get that goal. So, Morocco did that to very good effect in this in this edition of the World Cup. They are a very well-coached, very well-managed team. And I think they have the flair players to get them the... Uh, you know, the uh, attacking chances when they, when they, when they so desire. Uh, I was, I was, uh, before this game, I I boldly predicted that Morocco might win. I was surprised that they did so well, uh, (laughs) because I think that prediction came more from the heart than the brain, really. But like, it was, it was so, it was so good to watch Morocco uh, and their fans. Like when I was at the World Cup, Apart from the you know the usual Argentine and Mexican fans, I, I was really impressed with the unity displayed by the Moroccan fans, and they have just been a pleasure to watch. So uh, I hope they get the get the third third spot. Uh, I think there's still something to play for, uh, but I think they won won all of our hearts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, quite a lot of their players will, as I mentioned before, probably see a higher profile than before and even their manager you, you'll obviously definitely just start to see him get linked with these club jobs in Europe and can he I don't know even take over from Gareth Southgate for example do we really need that is it? Is it not better that this guy's doing something there he's building his own legacy particularly the fact that he came in not too far behind uh, in history, right? It's not as if he made them qualify to, for the World Cup. I think Radha mentioned this before the World Cup started that this guy had their pre previous manager had this water thing with one of their stars. I think Amrabat, if I'm not mistaken, and
3: uh, Mazraoui, and uh, yeah. So I think if in Game of Thrones terminology, he's the usurper.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but kudos to him, man. He's come in and he's made a difference. So yeah, good for him. Really,
2: really elite tactics and uh, like when you look at it from all the as- aspects of what he's done from a managerial point of view, with respect to even man management, he's brought people like Hakim Ziyech, who were uh, you know kind of left in the cold by the previous manager, having a bad season at uh, Chelsea, blamed for a lack of work ethic. He's brought them completely on board. He's allowed, you know, he's he's uh, he's created such a good team ethic with all the families and all coming in and uh, you know being allowed to stay together. So man management party got spot on. He's got his tactics spot on, and as you guys said, he's capable of playing in different ways. Uh, for me, this guy is the real find of the tournament, and he's he's already a world class manager for me. Uh, in in his you know in his milieu and in his own conditions, he's absolutely world class
0: definitely morocco is one of the highlights of the world cup and in part two we'll do this preview but before that one of the penultimate quizzes of the world cup coming up Right. So, in part two, we're starting off with the penultimate quiz of the World Cup. And this one's a short one. We'll do one big crazy quiz just focused on the World Cup uh, 22 edition after the final. So, just six questions, guys. As we mentioned, uh, Mbappé and Messi fighting for the title and the golden ball as well. Who was the last person to actually win it and actually be part of the winning side in the World Cup as well?
1: Uh Fabio
3: Canavaro. Oh yeah.
2: No.
3: Oh no. Look, uh uh Pogba. No.
2: Engolo <laughs> Kante. Nope. No, 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 Modric Choni. The... Yeah yeah. Narodni
0: bought the golden ball.
3: Who was this 2000 uh Oh, it was uh, Iniesta or Xavi. Javi or Iniesta Uh
1: uh-uh. uh. Which
2: one? Okay, called? so
3: then it's Germany, guys. <laughs> who, who in Germany won the Golden Ball?
2: So Messi was, Golden Ball.
3: Nahin, nahin, Germany won... No, no, no. Messi was. Yeah, it's so
2: in Zidane, the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Ninety-eight. No. That's
1: what I thought. Go back
0: just uh, a little bit more.
1: Uh, Kafu. No.
0: Ninety-four.
1: R- Rivaldo. No.
0: Getting close, but.
1: Oh wait. Um. Yaar.
0: At least you're getting into the right positions on the pitch. Yeah. yeah. To be a famous striker Romario. Yes, it Romario. is Romario. Romario is the last guy who's actually won the golden ball and also finished with the World Cup winners' medal. Okay. So, which team has set the record for maximum exits at the quarter-final stage?
3: Uh. England.
0: England, yes. How many? Eight. Pretty close. Seven. Six. So England yeah. have exited the World Cup at the quarterfinals seven times. Okay, you you guys remember the Netherlands Argentina quarterfinal for reasons apart from Wood Vegas as well. How many yellow cards were shown in the in that game? That's a record.
2: Eighteen.
0: Indeed, spot on, RK. Wow. <laughs> What, what a that, that, that that was a telemann strike from thirty five yards.
1: <laughs> Probably a fluke too.
0: As of now, three players have scored in the last three World Cups. So, including this one, in the last three, three players have scored. Can you name them? Two of them are pretty obvious. Messi, yeah.
1: Messi, Ronaldo.
0: Ronaldo, yeah. And the third one. No, this guy played for Liverpool. Doesn't play for them anymore.
3: Oh damn.
0: Ooh, damn, indeed.
1: Suarez didn't score.
3: Suarez...
1: uh, Didn't didn't score score.
0: this time round.
1: Played for Liverpool.
3: Played for Liverpool. Doesn't play anymore. For them,
0: anymore. I think he's in Turkey, if I'm not mistaken. But that might be too big of a hint. Probably Shaqiri. for
3: Radha. Mm. He didn't score. Origi is
0: Knock, not knocked out probably. by Gonzalo Ramos. Shakiri. Yes, Oh God. I said Shaqiri. Just
2: a moment oh. back.
0: Oh, sorry, sorry. And are you, uh, are you on your airport too? <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, that's that's a sneak peek behind the stage for you. (laughs) We've been wondering about Ashwin's audio for the last thirty minutes. Um, Okay, who does Messi now share the record with for most appearances in the World Cup? And this is the question that I was irritated about that the totally guys mentioned this in their episode yesterday because I like shit. Whoever's listened to this will be able to answer it. Peter Shilton. No. No. It's 25 appearances, so all going well. Uh, if he plays in the final, which we hope he does, he'll he'll take the record outright.
3: Manuel Neuer.
1: No. So it has to be someone.
0: Has to be someone definitely.
1: Oh no, no no
3: no no! I, I listened to the podcast.
0: Uh, it's the. Joy. Lothar Matthaus. Yes, it is Lothar Matthaus. And finally, last question. Go, I'm going back to history again. Which Italian manager will Didier Deschamps be looking to emulate on Sunday by winning back to back titles as a manager? It's only Sachin. happened once.
1: <laughs> uh, Fabio Capello? Huh? No. When no, did no, Fabio this Capello was
3: in
0: win? The, One word.
2: In oh the thirty four and thirty eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, this guy's been mentioned quite a lot recently, ever since uh. the French got to the final. He's been in um how do you call it? in the spotlight? Well,
2: I but never remember the yeah, name. It's
0: it's it's this guy's called Vittorio Pozzo and his record which has stood for more than eighty years is now finally under threat. Let's see yeah, if I think, Messi I think and Co. can do something about that. I
3: think the 1934 World Cup is more your time than our time swag. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so is the 38th one, to be fair. <laughs> but yeah, I think the 38th one was uh, marred by quite a lot of um, controversies because of the fact that Mussolini was in par and there were allegations of uh, favoritism and stuff like that. So no different from modern football then. Anyway... So moving on, uh, finally, to the final preview, France versus Argentina. We had these two teams meet each other in the 2018 World Cup as well. That was a good one, 4-3, if I remember correctly. I don't think it's going to be 4-3 this time round, even though I won't mind one. How are we reading this
3: one? I think the um, it's going to be really strange. Both teams don't like to keep the ball. I guess it might be something like uh, the Morocco-France game where one of them is forced into, uh, like, you know, dominating the play and and dictating the play. Um, My head is saying France on this one for all the reasons I mentioned in the last episode. I think they are more diverse. They can hit you in a lot of ways. Um, I don't think the fact that Messi is not doing enough work is going to hurt Argentina this time because France also, I, I don't think Mbappe does a lot of work either. So it's going to be effectively a 9-on-9 nine nine or a 10-on-10 ten ten game. So uh, it's going to be really interesting. I think uh, France have more people who can hurt Argentina than I say. I think Argentina have who can hurt France. Um, uh, I count Mbappe and uh, Usman, of course, in that list, but I think Griezmann is... Uh, shining star for France as well. He's he's playing almost like a Pogba role from the previous World Cup, where he's uh, pretty much doing playing well within himself. And when I, I, mean, I say role, I don't mean literally, but he's playing well within himself and just doing it for the rest of the, the rest of his teammates to really shine. Uh, I think he's going to be a difference maker as well. He's that really tough. Uh, tough to mark guy who plays in the space between the midfield and the and the striker and keeps drifting from side to side uh so i think they have a lot more weaponry to attack argentina with and argentina have been one of the best defensive teams in the world cup but i think there's only so much you can plan and execute against the likes of mbappe and dembele
1: yeah yeah i agree with rather i think this game is uh, we probably billing it as messi versus mbappe but it's, it's going to be more a Griezmann versus how Argentina handle him because he's he 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 is a drifter right like so they really need to watch his runs uh, I think in the previous game as well not not, not the Morocco one uh the uh, the one before that he was the one who provided the assist to Giroud uh and um so like uh I think Argentina would really need to track his runs very really well um uh, one in one stat that i wanted to bring up uh, from the previous two games is that both argentina and france actually had lesser possession than their opponents so like they, they they are the kind of teams that like to you know uh wait and watch what the opponent is doing and then they shift gears and then hit them uh not on the counter but they hit them back where when it hurts them the most uh so they can't both do that in this game right like one will have to take the initiative so it will be, Interesting to see who who does that. Uh, of course, from uh, at the start of the World Cup, uh, we were saying probably Brazil, Argentina and France are the favorites to win this. We have got two of those three in the final. So, from that respect, I think it's, it's great to have the heavyweights in the final, but also equally, they haven't really set the world alight with their attacking progress as such. So, uh, it will be a, a bit of a tactical uh, game and uh, it will probably be, probably be um, you know, uh, who blinks first and then, we'll uh, you know, one goal will probably open up the game a bit more.
2: Yeah, I think Griezmann, one more thing that he has done really well is uh, he always is on that edge of the box, which you wouldn't expect, you know, a number 10 to be on the edge of his own box, I mean. So whenever attacks from Morocco and England were, you know, coming through into the box, it was always Griezmann who had a high number of interceptions and clearances, uh, you know, uh, which is pretty unusual. Uh, that's That shows the work rate that Griezmann has. Uh, one weakness that has been exploited for France as Radha said in the previous two games has been the, the fact that Mbappe doesn't really track at all. So, uh, the left back uh, like Hernandez has had to do a whole lot of work there and he's also often got you know outnumbered. so it's it's interesting to see what approach Argentina will take. They will definitely knowing Scaloni try to exploit that. Uh, but being you know safety first, I think they would again try to go with a three at the back and a wing back formation to you know try and hurt uh, France there.
0: And, and for the midfield, uh, what combination do you think is going to um, work best for, uh, for for both teams, right? Because we know that Argentina depend quite a lot on Messi for their counters. But uh, the, the game is probably going to be decided in the midfield. Now, you, you talked about Griezmann, you've talked about um, how these two teams are going to be set up. So that's the battle, right? We have the supposedly Irish Mac Allister there does... Does he keep his place? Is it going to be is is going to be paradise? Who comes in? I'm I'm just confused about uh, what tack both uh, managers are going to take. I think France seem more unlikely to switch personnel, but uh, Argentina I think can probably rotate a bit. So no, I, I, I one no.
3: thing. Well, I think rotate is the wrong word. Uh, you don't rotate for, for the final, but um, I think they'll end up going with the same uh, teams that they went with. Well, barring injuries, of course. I think both teams will end up going with the same teams they went with in the semi-final. Um, if anything changes, it would be Argentina. And that, I, I think, also points to the fact that France are the ones who have more to fear than Argentina. So if you if you look at this this game and see a manager trying to take a... A, a selection call to negate some of the opposition players, it's 100% going to be Argentina rather than the other way around. So, um, I do expect though that they will go with the same formation and again try to be more direct through the center uh, like they were against uh, Croatia, against France as well. Uh, Konate I thought was really good for France but I'm hearing that he's got a little bit of the bug as well. Um, so, that, that's one to look out for. Um, but overall, I do think that... Um, France have enough on their bench to uh, to make up for any potential health issues. But I'm really looking forward to Benzema if he if he can play some part in the game. That'll be really cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think for Argentina, a lot of things revolve around Messi. But for France, not so much, like Ashwin Singh.
2: Yeah. So Rada, you mentioned injuries and then yeah, correctly pointed out. So I think it's all about illnesses right now for France and. How many of them will be available? They would definitely want to go back to that chemistry that they had in midfield with Rabio. Uh, we have to see whether, you know, he's going to be uh, fit enough. Uh, I think center backs, they will find the right people out of the selection that they have. Uh, uh, but coming to Argentina, the real trump card up their sleeve, which they haven't used so far. He's also had fitness issues with Di Maria. and When you combine it with the fact that, you know, France have this weakness depending on the left flank. It, and the work rate that he has off the ball. It For me, it would have been really, you know, intriguing to see Di Maria start the match, but considering that Argentina went into the last match with four midfielders, it would be a stretch to, you know, imagine them going with a 3-4-3, which would effectively mean like two centre midfielders. So, I don't expect Di Maria to uh, start, but definitely off the bench, I think he will make an appearance in this game and that will be one of the turning points that Argentina can use. Uh, however, I, I do feel lisandro martinez will you know start uh, this game and they will go with three
3: at the back don't you so I have a question for you then arcade uh, given how Morocco went with three at the back and things were not really looking great for them to start off with and then the, when they went to four at the back suddenly they they got all the control in the in the game back do you think that that is something that will play on the mind of the manager and considering how effective they were against croatia as well do you think he'll just go with a similar formation
2: yeah so uh, definitely it will be something that plays on his mind and he it won't be an easy decision for him however i still feel you know while you were right about the selection of center backs uh, uh, like selecting injured players i don't think three at the back in itself was you know a wrong uh, like was a wrong formation morocco for me, immediately after the goal started playing well, even with the three at the back, and it was size who was letting them down and not exactly the formation. Uh, the four in mid that Argentina selected was also because of the uh, midfield dominance that Croatia have. Given that France don't really want the ball and they're not likely to dominate position, I don't think four in the mid makes sense. I, I do feel they will go with a three in the mid and three at the back formation. Yeah, just
0: one point on... Uh... Kylian Mbappe, he was 19 when he won, won the World Cup for the first time. He can likely be a two-time World Cup winner at the age of 23. I mean, if that carries on like this, he might be the only guy to rival Pele's legacy by the time he retires.
3: Yeah, I think uh, that's besides the World Cup record, I think given how good he is and how young he is, I think that, that that's a fair comparison anyway. Um He's already had a winning role at a World Cup and regardless of what happens on Sunday, a final, again consecutive finals is something that only the likes of Pele have done in the past. So uh, he he is central to everything that's going to happen. I'm really looking forward to the strategy that Argentina employed to try and stop him. That that image of um, him getting past Amrabat and then the sliding defender and then just blasting to the wing I think he's the most unstoppable player, the most undefendable player um, When, when, like at any stage of any uh, game. So that's something that I'm really looking forward to seeing um, how Argentina deal with it. Whatever they throw at him though, I'm sure he's going to find a way. He may not be there all through the game. Like the last couple of games, Mbappe has not been central to everything France did. But he has those moments and the second goal which killed the game was all him. Uh, yeah, of course the dribble and, and the well short slash pass into the box ended it. But even the turn before that where he, he just brought the the wing the fullback into play and then got the ball back and then did his magic. I think he's an outstanding player. He's a really exciting player. Um when he and Messi get on the ball, I'm gonna be at the edge of my seat gripping the sofa for sure.
1: So rather he may be a great player and he could have he would drop, likely win his second World Cup, but uh I think in order to be one of the best players he would uh, want to uh, you know win a Premier League so next next year when he joins uh, Liverpool and the Qataris own their second Premier League club maybe we can talk about uh, Mbappe and the legacy has uh, left behind.
3: We've got a pretty great uh, world beating striker already Ashwin don't don't you worry about that.
0: Yeah so Bellingham Mbappe who else? I mean, uh, the the supposed Qatari owners have a pretty long shopping list ready to go for Liverpool. Maybe like may,
2: maybe Guardiola as well. You know, you can't end uh, elect, uh, you know uh, like you can't stop talking about Mbappe without talking in this match without talking about Messi. Whatever narratives you build, whatever tactical matchups we talk about, at the end of the day, it's it's going to be you know Mbappe versus Messi. It's a man on his last legs. Against a guy who still has 10, 12 years of peak, you know, career in front of him. So, uh, I, I, I mean, just that, you know, that contest of these two heavyweights is, uh, you know, and, and I think it's perfect for Qatar as well. It's, it's right up their you know, up their street and what they would have wanted. PSG, Qatari club having two PSG players. What more do they want?
1: What are you suggesting, RK? <laughs>
0: I think we already suggested what we had to suggest when Radha said what he said at the end of last episode. I had someone ask me what that means because they weren't able to
1: understand Hindi. I... So... Were there Qatari nationals?
0: <laughs> I hope not.
3: It's not right. often that a, it's not often that a guy from Chennai has been accused of <laughs> saying something in Hindi that other people can't <laughs> understand. But anyway.
0: Right, so we also have the third, fourth place uh, game and uh, do you think that these teams are going to be taking it seriously, particularly Croatia, considering they already finished runners-up in the last uh, World Cup, is it that crucial for them? It is Modric's last last bow at the world stage, but I think Morocco will probably be more interested and enthusiastic about this one and Croatia might just take it easily.
3: I think Morocco definitely are going to be the team that takes it more seriously. But that being said, Modric wants to go out on a high. I think the world wants to see him go out on a high. A lot of the narrative around Messi and, of course, Messi's 100x of anything that the narrative will be on Modric. But the whole world wants to see Modric do well and eventually go out on a high. So I don't think that image of him walking off, uh, being tired and walking off at the end of the last game is the image that um, people would be satisfied by uh, thinking back uh, of him. By the way, the only I think the only guy who broke that uh, Messi-Ronaldo-Ballon d'Or uh, jinx. So, it's going to be something that Croatia will be forced to take seriously. Maybe the players will play for Modric and something of that sort. I think they will take it a little bit seriously. But at the end of the day, it's a third-place playoff. I don't think we take it seriously either. Yeah, on top of that, uh,
2: with having gone through so much and given so much, Morocco tactically might be a bit more unhinged than they were, right? They might be a bit loser and more uh, trying to attack more. At the same time, the injuries that they have probably won't help them when you take into account Croatia's experience in these kind of, uh, you know, matches. So, uh, I, as you guys said, it's uh, uh, like a third place is probably the least consequential match, but it's also one of the more exciting matches. So i mean more than what exactly happens i think both these teams are already heroes for what they have done in this world cup so it will be more about the entertainment and you know who scores more goals hopefully
1: i think morocco will definitely take it seriously right um, they, they they it's it's uh they're probably carrying the weight of the arab nations with them as well uh and i think that will be the motivating factor uh, previous in previous editions of this third fourth place uh, playoff. Uh, we have seen managers uh, bring on some of the players who have not had the chance to play in this World Cup. So you'll probably see some of those subs and, you know, the 26-man squad that, you're talking, that you are talking were talking about earlier, Swag. Uh, some of those players get a chance here as well. I think uh, Croatia will probably use more of their substitutes or their reserve players than um, than Morocco. Uh, I think there's a lot to play for 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 Morocco. So I'm hoping to for them to get the third place. Uh, Croatia won't make it easy for them, but the fact that this is the third fourth play place playoff might mean that Morocco get it.
3: Given the number of injuries that Morocco have, I think they're already using that 26-man squad. I don't think they'll have much of a choice. But uh, yeah, here's hoping for a great Morocco victory. I think it'll mean more to them than it does to Croatia, like you said, Swag. Second place already. So let's all go for a Morocco win.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, we also have... We'll also get the decider for uh, best goalkeeper of the tournament between Livakovic and Bono. Whoever wins this will probably take that. I'm just hoping that this goes to 6-6 six, six, and then penalties uh, and both of them get a chance to show off their skills again.
2: I think Swag, someone named uh, Martinez might have something to say if the final <laughs> goes into shootouts. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't think uh, France want to go into a shootout considering that uh, Loris doesn't have that good a record. Uh, I think they have the firepower. Right, to close off with... Tell Kane about
2: that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, closing question from me before we uh, wrap up. uh, What do you guys think about... So, almost every manager has stepped down after the World Cup, after they got knocked out of the World Cup, except one very high-profile manager... Uh, Garrett Southgate—he's uh, still not stepped down. What do you guys think? And there's a huge debate about it being a the next manager being English or not English. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm particularly very confused about this uh, Englishness debate. This seems like it's harking back to old days that we can we should only be looking yeah. at uh, people from England. First of all, it's like. Gareth, you take your time and then you decide if you want to continue or not. You can have a sabbatical if you want. It's it's just too much theater for me. And if you want to win the World Cup, if that is what you've been looking for, you are probably the only nation who keeps making songs about stuff like that. Just get the best guy you can, right? The best guy who makes best use of your talents. Why fuss so much about uh, their nationality when you have had foreign managers before?
1: I think in, in England have been through this before right I remember after sven Joran, Eriksson there was this huge clamor or maybe it was Fabio Capello I'm forgetting it now but there was this huge clamor about uh, having an English manager who can uh, you know who does not need a translator or like uh, who can get his message across and then they and they got Roy Hudson at some point as well like it was just, it was just I mean that was probably one of the worst England teams uh uh, to 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 ever watch, I think. Uh, so I really don't get this English non-English debate. I think Gareth Southgate. I think this World Cup, he has kind of proven that he can also play an attacking formation, which was the one, uh, which was the one uh, main thing that was leveled against it. So, to me, if I were an you know uh, England supporter, which I, I think I am uh I would I would I would give him a bit more time uh, probably till the euros and then may, maybe take a call but i I don't think there is any need to make any changes as far as the manager of England is concerned
3: wow I, I can't I can't disagree more but i'm'm I'm, I'm reminded of that that, I mean, tweet who that... Would, you,
1: who, who would you who would you
2: would you would you take as the England manager?
3: Literally, literally anybody else, I would say.
2: At but this sure. Just just fire him from Chelsea, which is going to happen in a few months. Please,
0: please don't fire sir. him. Just take him away. At least let Chelsea get some money from uh, managers outgoing, right? But we no, we always there, the ones who pay.
1: But I think, I think Garrett Southgate has done okay. He isn't, I'm not saying he has set the world on fire or anything, but he's done okay if you if you have any great great managers out there who can take england to the next level i agree but this is
3: yeah. this is the this is the job the biggest international job uh, arguably in the world the one with has the most money all of that doing just okay is the expectation that a lot of fans have I, I'm, I'm getting reminded of the tweet that somebody shared on the group it, it was oliver holt um, he was saying something like, "Oh, we are so entitled. We don't know what we are saying. Uh, nobody except one of the like." He he quoted, "Nobody except Alf Ramsey has a better record than Gareth so-. I mean, who the f- is Alf Ramsey? That's the standard. That's the that's the level at which you want to be measured at. Like, we have people like the Brazil manager having. Probably got a lot of plaudits for his management of the team and the style of play and all that. He's stepping down. The Portugal manager, who probably are is is less likely to win the World Cup than England. He's stepping down after not ha- not having it done. I think the the level of expectation and the acceptance of mediocrity is so different in England versus any other country. I mean, I, if you are happy think, to, I don't think
1: it's the level of ex- I don't I don't think it's the it's that that the level of expectation is lower. Of course, Gareth Southgate got them to the finals of the Euros, right? So, that, that would have only just made the expectations even, you know, even more, if if, if anything. Uh, what you could see is that England is a strong team. They played well against France. They they could have won the Euros as well. They were probably a few penalties away from winning it. So, those are the kind of things that you haven't seen from previously well-established managers like Goran or or Fabio Capello. So my argument is, I'm not, I'm not a I'm not a Gareth Southgate fan as such, but my argument is, if there is a good manager out there, yeah, go for him. But like, don't sack the manager just because, you know, he did not re- make England reach the finals or win the World Cup.
3: This is, this is a, this is the, when you said that, that it could have been and should have been and all that, reminded me of that Lampard versus Germany, the ball falling on the other side of the line, whole argument, like, people still make the argument that England could have done anything in that game and they got their ass handed to them by Germany. I, I mean, we can say the same thing about every opponent that France has played. That's kind of the style that France also adopts in the World Cup. So, all the games that they won in the in the lead-up to this game, all the other teams could actually walk away thinking, oh, shit, given a few good moments, I could have won this game. But it's for me that, that what if has been going on for too long and I know what you're saying like okay if there is a guy then go get him but this is the kind of job that people make themselves avail- available for like I think there's a there's a very good chance that whoever they target will say yes to this job so just go out and get that guy but Gareth Southgate for me the likes of Gareth Southgate, Roy Hodgson should never be anywhere near this
2: job you know guys but, but the main thing to consider is there's never been a foreign manager and never been a foreign manager who has won the world cup so and the reason for that is you don't really get time to you know build tactics etc it's more about man management uh, and all those things as well I think count for more Gareth Southgate I think we have given him a bit less credit uh, than he deserves probably in the sense that England have performed well and most of the managers who win in international football are pragmatic but having said that you know nationality it's a jinx which will be broken one day, right? So, I I I think you should still look for the best available manager out there if if it makes sense. And I think someone like, you know, Jose Mourinho would probably make a lot of sense for England. And Southgate, I think, has brought England as far as he can. Uh, he's not really going to, uh, for me, he's not going to improve England any further from this. And uh, like, I am serious about this. If England get a chance to sign Graham Potter for the next couple of tournaments, they should jump at it. But...
0: You know, they shouldn't go English just for the sake of it. Yeah, exactly my thoughts. And finally, I think, uh, final word uh, before we wrap up. uh, Just in one word, who's winning the World Cup?
1: I to be France and Mbappe.
3: Going to go with France, I think.
0: Yeah, France. And it's messy for Ashwin. Okay. I will go for France as well. So 3-1 for the panel today. And And that's the scoreline as well. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. And we'll see you on Sunday or Monday, listener, with the follow-up of all that happens on Saturday and Sunday. For now, see you later. Bye.